0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Saturday Standouts. My name is Caleb Skinner. You can follow me at my Twitter account below, at chsnoll. And then with me, as always, is my co-host, Ethan Carboni. How are you doing tonight, Ethan?
1: I'm doing great. How are you, Caleb?
0: I'm doing well, man. We we have a a pretty awesome show. College football is starting this week with a few games, and then next week really amping up here, um, heading into the college football season, so I'm super stoked about that. We are supposed to have a special guest on tonight, and Brandon Marcello, um, a contributing person for Two Four Seven Sports. We'll see if he's able to make it or not. He'll be on with us for about 15 minutes or so. So um, while we wait for him, what are you? What are you most excited about, Ethan? With college football right around the corner.
1: Well, I mean, first off, just doing the show and seeing what underdog teams. I believe this is actually a new record. You showing up three weeks in a row. That's a good sign.
0: Oh yeah. yeah it's been you know kind of a moving process for me and trying to get comfortable in my new location and everything and whatnot but um it's been it's been pretty exciting but um you know i guess you know while we wait for brandon to come on we can just go ahead and jump into the other half of what we are going to do in tonight's episode and that's make our conference picks who each one of us are going to root for from each conference so ethan i'll let you take it away and explain it to the people what exactly we're doing here
1: All right, so pretty much before I even hopped on the show for the first time with Caleb, I came up with the idea that we need to choose a team that we're going to follow in each conference and just root for and hope that they have a great time and they do the best. So obviously we have our favorites. We have obviously a couple favorites to win the conference, Bama, et cetera. We're just going to see out of all of our teams because we were only allowed to do two teams that have predicted 10 or more wins for the year. Whoever ends up with a better record won't have to do like a loser's dare. I think it'll be of the winner's choice or something. Me and Caleb still need to discuss that. Nothing too crazy mm-hmm. because I'm not getting a tattoo of Caleb's face on my cheek or something like that. And I know he's crazy like that. So we'll figure that out.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's going to be fun. Um, it was fun going through these and, and just finding different reasons to go ahead and pick a team in each conference. So I'll, I'll let you lead it off. Who? What conference do we have first, brother?
1: All right, you know, let's work our way up to the big ones. Let's start off with the independents, which I'm pretty sure both of us really just went out with starting with a bang, starting with a heavy team. So I personally went with Liberty, Malik Willis, Hugh Freeze, love the team. What can you say? Like, I want to start off with a good team. I'm starting off with Liberty for my independent pick.
0: I like that pick. Um, it was probably going to be my pick until I saw that you know you had them. So I decided to go with Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame out of the independent seems like a pretty strong case to be the best independent team by the end of the year. Uh, they do have a slightly tough schedule. Um, obviously, starting off the year against Florida State will be a, um, a, a bit of a struggle with them, especially with having new quarterback Jack Cohn and at the helm as well as all almost pretty much all new um, starting offensive line there for them as well. But – Um, Kelly's teams have always been proven Brian Kelly that is his teams have always been proven that they're going to be good they're going to be sitting around at that 9-10 win mark Uh, so I feel pretty confident in in Brian Kelly and what he's going to be able to do to get the job done there at Notre Dame he has to travel to Virginia Virginia Tech and Stanford which will all be pretty decently tough games but I I see Notre Dame kind of settling in as the year moves on and that should be good they also have to play USC North Carolina Purdue um, and those are some pretty big games um, at home uh, for for Notre Dame so their schedule isn't necessarily that easy, but I have the confidence of Brian Kelly and what he has been able to build at Notre Dame and then moving forward to be, um, you know, the best team when it comes to independent squads for this upcoming college football season.
1: All right, let's move into the Conference USA. I'm personally going with a team that's rebuilt perfectly ever since they finally came back to FBS football. The UAB Blazers, just talking about the team, they have one of the better offensive lines in Conference USA. They have Tyler Johnson, who played a few games from him, throwing for around 850 yards and seven touchdowns with only one interception last year. Right there, that's a nice sign for the quarterback to have a good offensive line, having a decent quarterback. And then they're still going to have Hayden Pittman as their number one tight end, who was one of the better tight ends in Conference USA. I like the Blazers this year. I really do. I think UAB has a good chance, and I love that they were only at like seven, seven and a half wins for the over-under, meaning that I didn't feel too bad about taking them.
0: Yeah, I like the pick. Um, The UAB UAB Blazers are are a good team there in the Conference USA, but I'm going with the team that perhaps has the best defense in that conference and maybe one of the best defenses in college football, and that's going to be the Marshall Thundering Herd. Um, They do have some key Conference USA games against Western Kentucky and UAB, the Blazers that you were talking about. So that'll be probably a very important game for both of our outcomes um, of our favorite teams in in Conference USA. Um, uh, Marshall, it kind of been up and down here in recent seasons, you know, sometimes overperforming than how they should and others not so much. Um, But there isn't a game on their schedule. They don't have a whole lot of um, power five teams that they're going to be having to face or anything like that. So that works well in their favor, but they have to go on the road and deal with a um, Navy team, which obviously is a difficult problem to deal with. And then they will also have to go on the road to play Appalachian state, which will be a problem for them as well. So um, they could have, you know, a a loss or two along the way, but they should be able to make it to the, the conference championship game. And, you know, for them to have that type of season and hopefully win the conference USA championship game, they can get back into that, into that bowl winning streak. And you know, keep building on on what they have going on there in Marshall.
1: Yep, and then let's move right into the American. Obviously, you got Cincinnati, who's the clear favorite to win. But I personally went different. I went with a team that's only has, according to the site I looked at, a six and a half over under. SMU, obviously, that's a little low. It probably should be around the seven and a half, eight, eight and a half mark. But I like SMU this year. They have one of the better defenses. You have Tanner Mordecai, an Oklahoma transfer. And then you have Preston Stone, and you have a Georgia transfer who are going to help out this team tremendously. I'm very excited to watch SMU's offense play this year. And then just looking at the defense, they had the 78th-ranked defense last year. Could be better, could be worse. A middle-of-the-pack defense in the American is not a bad thing. And truthfully, if they can just up it into the 50 range, 55, then SMU could potentially even challenge for the American title, which I'm very intrigued to see happen.
0: Yeah, not a bad pick. Um, Everybody is pretty much gushing over Cincinnati and what Cincinnati is going to do with um, Riddler there at the quarterback position. And neither one of us decided to go with Cincinnati there in the American. Um, For me... I'm taking uh, the team with a new head coach, but a pretty proven track record in their conference as well as on the national stage and level here. And that's I'm going to stick with the Florida team and go with um, the UCF Golden Knights over there in Orlando, Florida. Obviously, the big news here for UCF heading into the season is the addition. Well, I guess they lost Josh Heupel, um, their previous head coach to the University of Tennessee but they did acquire an even better coach, in my opinion, in Gus Malzahn, a proven track record from the SEC at Auburn, went to a national championship game that he eventually lost, but was a, was an amazing national championship game against Florida State. He brings that winning pedigree into a team that already has a established winning pedigree of its own now in the UCF Golden Knights. Um, the defense is going to be their biggest you know, concern heading into this season. They did not play well last year, especially when it came to secondary play. They got passed on a whole lot last year, gave up a lot of touchdowns through the air, Um, but they are returning nine starters on that side of the ball. So that should help get those guys more comfortable there. And the offense is going to, it should keep on rolling. Um, Dylan Gabriel, obviously everybody knows who he is. Maybe one of your Heisman sleepers at the moment, if, if you like him that much to be able to talk about him in that way do so because he is the real deal. He has been putting up numbers at UCF that Mackenzie Milton was able to do before he got injured. So um, Dylan Gabriel is going to be a real, you know, he's going to have to be that driving machine behind that offense there for the UCF Golden Knights. And their, um, their season isn't as easy as most expect. Um, they have to play Boise State and they have to go to Louisville. They have to play at Cincinnati, Memphis, and at SMU. Um, so there are a lot of games on that schedule that could trip up this UCF Knights team, but I'm rooting for them. I believe in them. I think with head coach Gus on there, he's going to be able to bring the, that team together, even though he is a first year head coach at a new program. I think he's not going to have any problems whatsoever being able to get that team on the path to being a winning team and back in another bowl, team, bowl game this year. Um, and those games that they play, if they if they have a good record coming out of those tough games, you know, you can start to see them move up in their rankings and feel pretty positive about them. Maybe even going over um, their win total win total of nine and a half. So, um, if they can do that, I have a I have a lot of confidence in them to do so. So, um, keep an eye out for for my UCF Knights that I'm going to be rooting for this year out of the American.
1: Yeah, for sure. They're probably going to end up being the best team in Florida. So, <laughs>
0: <But> <laughs> don't 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 do that yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Moving into the MAC. We're going to move – I personally have them as the best team in Michigan, the Western Michigan Broncos, I believe, is their mascot. Well, first off, huge hit. You have Dwayne Eskridge leaving, but you have Jalen Hall, and you have Sky Moore. So you have two of your top three receivers from last year. So all they really have to do is play third-round NFL draft – or, correction, a second-round NFL draft pick, like on the cusp there. So can they do that? Probably not. Can they come close to it? For sure. Along with returning four of five offensive linemen. That was probably one of the best. Actually, no, it was the best in the Mac. So you're gonna they're gonna have to rely on their pass blocking and their receivers and the quarterbacks are just gonna have to get it done. Whereas the defense, this is Mac. Let's be honest here. Only defense you're getting is maybe one stop and you're lucky, but they were fifth and the Broncos did lead the nation or fifth in nation in tackles for loss. So that was huge for them. And they averaged about 3.2 sacks per game. So that's also pretty big. If they can just up those numbers a tiny bit, we might see the Mustangs actually competing for a MAC title with the Buffaloes of the world.
0: Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. The MAC is always an interesting conference. Um, everybody loves watching the MAC on a Tuesday night during the middle of the week and betting the over. Um, it's everybody bets the over for for these MAC games. games. Um, very fun games to watch. If you haven't tuned into a MAC game, be sure to tune into them this year. Always high scoring affairs. Like Ethan had mentioned, it's always who scores last. Um, much of the time. So, um, very exciting football to watch. I, I like your pick there with with Western Michigan. Um, that's a good pick, but for me, I'm going to go with the Toledo Rockets. Um, for for one, they have gone 11 straight seasons without having a losing campaign, so that bodes well in my favor this year. Um, in 2019, they just went a mediocre six and six, six and six, so it wasn't that great. Um, and last year, they should have been able to, you know, win the whole conference, but they didn't do that, um, even though they were expected to. So um, I expect them to have a bounce back year this year get back to their winning ways and be more above average than so just average like they have been these past 2 years or so. Um and they only lose one guy and that guy is only a tight end. Um so you bring back your whole team, all of your starters besides one position. That bodes very that bodes very well for my Toledo Rockets to move in and take over this this winning spot here in the MAC. And they're only, they only really have one unwinnable game that you can look at their schedule and be like, they definitely aren't going to win that game. And that's against Notre Dame, which is one of my other teams there as my um, independent team. Every other game on their schedule is winnable. Obviously, it is. It-
1: All right, it looks like Caleb just got cut off there. But by the time he gets back, I'm going to start it off with San Jose State. Let's just start off with this. You have Nick Starkle at quarterback which that's huge already that's huge already you have one of the best group of five quarterbacks in the entire you know ncaa sorry caleb we just moved into the mountain west just because you kind of got cut off there but yeah no (laughs) my
0: bad i i I was trying to click on i was trying to click on to a new tab and i accidentally (laughs) exited out of of the stream tab so i apologize guys but yeah Um, Give me the Toledo Rockets there in the MAC. But yeah, go ahead and continue what you were saying.
1: The only concern I see is probably the receiving court. They have Isaiah Hamilton and you have Jermaine Braddock. But other than that, I'm confused. What what the hell are they doing there? You lost Trey Walker and Bailey Gaither. You lost your two best receivers. So you're just going to casually move the other guys up the depth chart. They don't have necessarily the same talent. So they're really just going to have to rely on Starkle just having the former Texas A&M quarterback sling the ball and hope that someone's open. Whereas for their defense, that's been improved under Coach Brent Brennan. Pass rush is very good. They allowed under 350 yards per game and allowed 20 points per game. That's huge. Any team in the group of five that can hold the team under 20, like 20 or under points a game, that's a top defense in my opinion. Because when you look at the group of five, you're not getting many stars on defense. You're just trying to find the most athletic people you can. They have 10 starters back from last year on the defensive side of the ball. Missing just one person, although that's not going to be a problem because they do have the killer defensive end tandem of Cade Hall and Vilami Fetko. So I'm excited to watch this team. I'm excited for me to win the bet, especially with the Mountain West Conference. (laughs)
0: All right, so we're we have moved on to the Mountain West. I apologize, guys, for <laughs> literally cutting myself out of the stream, but I'm back, um, and now we're in the in the Mountain West. I am gonna go with the uh, Hawaii Rainbow Warriors here um, in the Mountain West. It's gonna be fun to watch them. This is gonna be year two under Todd Graham, their their head coach here. So they're gonna be you know looking for a little bit more than they, what they got out of the team last year. They're a high octane offensive minded team that, you know, really gets the things going last year. They started off with a shocking win, but then kind of fell off as the season went on. But for this season, looking at their win total at seven, I I think they could easily be able to get there and possibly return to the Mountain West title game in in just the second season under Todd Graham. Um, There's 11 starters that are expected back on the defense and then eight starters should return on the O. So you're bringing back a lot of veteran leadership there in Hawaii. And not only that, but they're not going to be having to play the tough teams away. Um, You know, the teams that, you know, really might cause a problem for them, um, New Mexico State, uh, or excuse me, um, Boise State Air Force, they don't have to play them. Um, And they the two games that you could say are probably tougher for this Hawaii team are San Jose State and San Diego State. And they're not really going to have to do much against them because they're going to be playing them in Hawaii. So that kind of gives them a upper hand advantage. When it comes to their schedule and looking forward to hitting that over seven wins and being able to make it to the Mountain West title game. So I have a lot of confidence in that not having to play the big teams in Boise State or Air Force. And then the other two teams that might become a blip on their radar throughout the season has have to come to Hawaii to play them. And they don't have to go over to the States and, you know, the mainland to be able to win those games. So I have a lot of confidence here in Todd Graham's second season with a lot of veteran leadership for the Hawaii uh, Rainbow Warriors.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. They do have a last chance you alum on it from season five. So that might, that's, I like Hawaii this year. I like that pick. But moving into the final group of five, the Sun Belt, the Fun Belt, the team that I have going undefeated this year, the ULL Raging Cajuns. I Caleb already knew I was taking this team the second I mentioned the Sun Belt. So let's start off. you got fifth-year senior Levi Lewis, 24-4 as the team starter, with 54 career touchdowns to 14 picks. You have Elijah Mitchell, Trey Ragus, Errol Rogers, Errol Rogers Jr. All three receivers are going to be very key and very capable, and I'm excited to watch that receiving core. Only problem I see is probably going to be the running back spot, although they do have incoming Texas A&M transfer. Jacob Kibodi. As, lo- as well as having five returning line starters. Defense, the depth chart is deep. It's set. You have <clears throat> a conference best 4.292 yards a play last year allowed. You love to see it. You have Joe Dillon as the only defensive player that isn't returning. So I like the ULL team. I think they go undefeated. I think they smash Texas Week 1, and we will see the Longhorns 0-1 and ULL 12-0 and by the end of the year.
0: My praise for, for ULL team. I knew you were going to pick them. You are absolutely right, Ethan.
1: Um, but looking at
0: the Sun Belt, man, it's no joke. Um, there are a bunch of teams that have a, a stake to the claim of being the best team in the conference. Um, it's just absolutely loaded down with talented teams across the board. Um, But my team that I'm going to go with is going to be the Appalachian State Mountaineers. Um, Last year they won nine games and then won their bowl game 56-28 to during a pandemic year. And to much of their fans, it was a season of disappointment. Um, It it wasn't, you know, up to their standards. So um, if that's not up to your standards and you expect to be better, um, you better come out this year firing on all cylinders. Chase Bryce, obviously, um, one of the quarterback options there was the a transfer from Clemson and forget where else he went, but um, he'll be there at Appalachian State this year. Um, they've they in most recent years two Sunbelt Belt titles, um, perfect six for six in bowl games, and it might be the best team that they've had, uh, ever. So it's pretty pretty interesting to see what they're going to be able to do. They're getting Corey Sutton back, who is probably the Sun Belt's best wide receiver after he opted out last year, and they're getting eight starters back on the offense along with him. And then the defense, which is the best defense, I think they were top 10 in the nation last year overall, and top in the Sun Belt. They're returning, I believe, 10 starters on that defensive side of the ball. So another veterans, veteran-led team that's going to be coming in with a lot of weapons here for the Appalachian State Mountaineers into the Sun Belt season. But the problem is, I go back to it, is how tough this conference is as a whole. You talked about UL. I mean, East Carolina is not easy. They're a very high-powered team. Um, you know, there's so many different teams going to Louisiana. Arkansas State's tough. Georgia State isn't isn't easy to deal with. Coastal Carolina, Georgia Southern, um, all good teams. So they have to play every single one of these teams, not to mention that they go to Miami and Marshall um, on the road. So and they went to combine 17-7 last year. Um, so that's going to be difficult to go on the road and play those two tame, two teams. Also have to go to Louisiana and Arkansas State, um, going to Georgia State. But they get Coastal Carolina, Georgia, so they're at home. But none of those games are going to be a a walk in the park. Um, You know, a lot of tough road games, a lot of tough home games. Uh, It's going to be a knockdown, dragout type of year for Appalachian State. But I have a lot of confidence in them. Of course, I'm leaning on that veteran leadership once again. The star players on the offensive side of the ball and that top 10 defense to go ahead and pull through here. Assume that they get nine wins, get to a bowl, and win that bowl game like they do every single year. I see it happening much like they did last year, just because of how difficult their season is. But um, I-, I like the the Appalachian State Mountaineers. I think it'll probably come down to both of our teams, you know, ULL and Appalachian State in-, in the Sun Belt, and hopefully we get to see those two match up in the championship game. And then whoever wins that will be, you know, your champion for for this conference. Then it'll be a fun one to keep on keep track of.
1: Yep. Moving into the SEC, I don't know why you just put that up, Caleb. Not funny. We are going, <laughs> I'm just going to say this right now. We are going Alabama for obvious reasons. They are the best team in college football over the past decade. Nick Saban has a sophomore, shirt freshman, whatever the hell he is, Bryce Young. I love this. He's a young kid. He's a Heisman contender. You have a first-round wide receiver in John Mechie. You have the best defense Alabama's had in the past five years. Let's see what the hell they're going to do. Let's see what Nick Saban wants to do with this team and whether they're going to be able to be the Alabama team that goes 12-0. And I just chose an obvious team. And everyone's going to hate me for it, but I don't care. Yeah, I you probably...
0: You probably chose the most obvious team for for this thing to be able to root for. Um, Alabama, always Alabama. Perry, you're 100% correct. That is always how it's going to be. Alabama is going to be Alabama. But I am going to take a shocker out of here, out of the SEC West as well. And I'm going back to my former head coach, Jimbo Fisher, there at Texas A&M University. Texas A&M is one of those teams that hasn't had a national title in quite some time. You have to go back a ways but Jimbo Fisher is built for this. If you remember in his fourth year as head coach is when he won a national championship with Florida state. This is going to be his fourth year as the Texas A and M head coach. And there are a lot of comparisons to that other than the fact that there are really big quarterback questions there in, in um, college station, Texas compared to what he had coming in at Florida state and James Winston. So that's going to be the biggest concern here for the Texas A and M Aggies. On the other hand, um, They've got a great recruiting class. They have, a, you know, obviously a head coach with national championship on his resume, a schedule where they don't have to play Florida and they don't have to play Georgia. And the two teams that are probably their biggest contenders here and knocking them off this season, Alabama and Auburn, they don't have to go on the road to play. Alabama and Auburn both come to College Station to play the Aggies. So I, I think that bodes very well for um, A&M you know, moving forward in in the SEC West and being able to possibly make a run at the SEC championship game. Um, They do have a couple tough road games against LSU and Ole Miss. Um, But, you know, those could be, you know, teams that aren't necessarily what they're built up to be at the start of this season as we head in, you know, as we get going throughout the SEC schedule. Um, Alabama obviously is the biggest question mark here. And that was their biggest, you know, stop from them. I think last year, from going eleven and one and playing in the in the SEC championship game, um, was obviously Alabama. Obviously, everybody knows what happens when Nick Saban faces a former, you know, coordinator of his. If you remember correctly, Jimbo Fisher was on um, Nick Saban's staff when Nick Saban was at LSU. So that's how that goes. Hopefully, Jimbo can kind of kick the tires on that, you know, myth, if you will, of of losing. Of Co- coordinators losing to Nick Saban, but it'll be a tough one. That's going to be the biggest game on their schedule. I guarantee you, Jimbo has that one circled on him on his schedule. Um, and this is a this is the contract um, for Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo got that ten-year, hundred million-dollar contract, and this is going to be the year that he has to prove it. Are you gonna? Are you ready to beat Alabama? Where we expect you to beat? That's what all the Texas A&M Aggie fans are saying. We are ready. This is the year, even though we're not very sure what's happening on um, you know, at the quarterback position. Um, but they will be knocking on the door of the SEC West. And that'll be very interesting to see what happens. I'm pulling for the Aggies. I'm pulling for Jimbo Fisher there in the SEC West. And I think they ultimately pull it out, maybe eventually get that win against Alabama. Hopefully, if not, Alabama slips along the way and kind of boosts my my Aggies ahead in this SEC um them between me and Ethan. Um, But with that being said, we'll move into on from the SEC and we'll go into the um, let's just do the uh, the Big Ten here. Um, Actually, we'll save the Big Ten because I know that somebody Ethan really wants to talk about in there. We'll go with the Big Twelve here, and for the Big Twelve, the team that I'm going to be rooting for this year is going to be the Baylor Bears. Um, You know, they lost their head coach a year or two back, so there's a lot to be watched in this year. They went 11 and three in 2019 two and seven last year did not have a great year in 2020. So it's going to have to be something that, you know, they work around, but I'm rooting for this team. I like the Baylor bears. I kind of like, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ethan left. I'm not sure what exactly is going on. He, he might've had to try and get our guest on or help him out, but we're working on getting Ethan back. We'll let you guys know when he's back, we'll bring him in. Um, yeah. Christian, I know I'm the only one up in here and show my beautiful face to, to all the people out there, but, yeah, I'll be I'll be riding the Baylor Bears. Um, they had great chemistry back in 2019, and a little bit of magic would help them a, uh, along the way. And Ethan is back, guys. Give me one moment.
1: in, hey Ethan. How's it going? Everything good? Yeah, my wife. I just decided. You know what? We're gonna decide to screw with you. So where are we at here?
0: Looks like we're both having some technical difficulties tonight. But we're start we're started off um, here after the SEC and moved to the Big 12 because I know the other conferences are pretty important to us and what we want to talk about. Um, And I'm on the Baylor Bears. Um, They they went two and seven last year. Not great. Um, But they lost three of those games by seven points or fewer. And we're actually in a fight in most of them. So, um, you know, if you can just make a little bit of an improvement here, you can change and flip that from a two and seven team to a seven and two team, which could be huge for the Baylor Bears in the Big 12. Um, They're not a whole lot of layups in their conference. You know, obviously, Texas State, Texas Southern, Kansas to kick things off. That helps them tremendously. And they should at least try and split, you know, home games against West Virginia and Texas Tech and then hope, hope to pull off a big win over BYU. Um, it's going to be some big things. Dave Aranda obviously coming over from LSU is, you know, has his work cut out for him. I'm not exactly sure what is going to happen with this Baylor Bears team. I, I just like Baylor. Um, I've always liked Baylor. I like the the swag they carry with them. I, 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 and they're not talked about enough, in my opinion, in the Big 12. They kind of get overlooked by a whole lot of these other teams. You talk about Texas, Oklahoma, TCU, Texas Tech, um, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. These teams get talked about, Iowa State even. I want to see Baylor come out here and surprise a lot of people, kind of my biggest underdog pick here in our conference picks. Um, but with that being said, I did not choose Texas, and I know Ethan did not choose Texas. I'm a big horns-down type guy. Um, I hope that remains a thing. So, um, Ethan, what who, who do you have here in the Big 12?
1: You know, I decided let's go with Oklahoma State. You know what's funny, Caleb? Uh, I'm actually having to, like, go do all my re- – not. I have to pull up all my research tabs on another thing with data only right now, but I pulled it up. And you know what? You got Spencer Sanders coming back. I don't know why I decided to blank on that name. That's huge. You have a fifth-year quarterback. Huge for any team to have a quarterback just decide, hey, I want to show up and play football another year. I hate that the pandemic happened, and let's go. You have this team losing one of their best receivers of all time, one of their better running backs of all time, and Tylan Wallace and Chuba Hubbard. And then after that, you're really kind of screwed, except for the simple fact of having Mike Gundy as your head coach. That's huge. You still have Tay Martin, Brendan Presley, who had extraordinary performances in their bowl game. I'm excited to see what they make with this new season along with this young defense, which has featured Colby Harrell Peel. I'm excited to see what he does. He was all Big 12 safety these past two years, and he'll be an NFL draft pick this year once he shows out once again.
0: It's never bad to pick a Mike Gundy-led football team. I will tell you that. I like your pick there, Ethan. I just did not want to go with the same team as you, so I took a team as an underdog. But with that being said, we'll move on to our next conference. Which one you want to go with?
1: All right, let's go with the Pac-12. All
0: right, Pac-12 it is. Lead us off, baby.
1: All right, I'm going with the UCLA Bruins. Just for a simple fact of I love DTR, I love the fact that a five-star quarterback went to UCLA, Chip Kelly, and they still haven't been good. But this is their year. I've always liked UCLA, and I want to see if the Bruins can show anything. Chip Kelly, this might be... This is his do-or-die season, in my opinion. DTR was handpicked by Kelly, according to like quoting Athlon Sports here. And third year as their starter... Twelve touchdowns and four picks. That's pretty big. He needs to make a leap his senior year. He needs to. He's supposed to, he was supposed to be an NFL caliber quarterback gone last year, whatever, coming into UCLA. Nope. Or we're gonna
0: Bring it up on us, Ethan. Find a good spot. <laughs> All right. Looks like Ethan's still having um, some technical difficulties. Hopefully we'll get him reloaded and back in here. Um, he's rocking with us, UCLA Bruins. Um, Pretty solid pick. But I don't think it's going to be as solid as my team. I'm riding with a bunch of our friends over on the West coast in LA and Perry and Chris McGowan's favorite team, the USC Trojans set it in their season total at nine wins over under there. I think they could easily go over. And the biggest reason I'm taking UFC here is because of their quarterback play in Keaton Slovis. I'm a huge Keaton Slovis fan was a big fan of his last year. He put out of a lot of big games last year that he needed to really, really clutch under pressure at the end of games. Is going to be great. The passing game should be top-notch there in the Pac-12 for them. So really looking forward to that. The defensive back um, field is seven full of NFL types. It's going to be fantastic for them. And the schedule is a big help as well. Um, Two of the teams that you would want to avoid if you're USC heading into this season are obviously Washington and Oregon. And they don't have to play either of them this year. And that works out tremendously for them. Um, Utah game is at home. That bodes well. And they do have to play BYU, San Jose, Stanford, and UCLA. Um, You know, San Jose hasn't been that great in in, in the Coliseum, so that bodes well for them. But they do have to take road trips to Notre Dame, Arizona State, and Cal, which will be a little bit of a problem. Obviously, that Notre Dame game will be huge. Arizona State always very well coached there with Norm uh, Edwards there as their head coach. Um, And they also have to play Colorado and Washington State. might be a a bit tricky as well. But not having to play Washington – and Oregon is a huge bonus for the USC Trojans heading the next year with Keaton Slovis at the helm. Um, It's USC. We're not really sure what to get out of them here in recent years, but their schedule is good enough that they should be able to roll through most of this schedule, get back to the Pac-12 championship, to the third one in the past five years, and hopefully win it. Um, It's about time USC USC wins one of these, Um, and why not? I think this might be the year that we can start having a conversation that USC could have college football playoff implications. Finally, we get a team in the Pac-12 other than Oregon, which would be amazing to see happen. I'm riding the Keaton Slovis train. I'm riding USC in their schedule into a 10-win season here, and I'm taking them for the Pac-12. See,
1: I'm deciding for next the Big Ten. I know you chose Baylor, you chose Florida State, two teams that aren't going to do so well this year. But I also have to go with a favorite team of mine, Illinois. A lot of Instagram pages I'm seeing are predicting them to go one and eleven. A lot of sites I'm seeing them saying three and nine. But in reality, this team has the ability to go anywhere from the three and nine to the seven and five. My guess is around the six and six, and truthfully, I love that for them. That's huge. If they can get six wins, that's something that wasn't predicted for them at all, according to most major analysts. So that'd be great. But just going into this team, you have fifth year, fourth year, whatever starter, sixth year quarterback, seem to be 24 year old Brandon Peters. That's huge for any team. This is the second time Illinois had a three year starter in almost a decade. And then just starting off, you know, you lost the wide receiver talent. All right, whatever. But you have young and talented fast receivers. You have an offensive line that has 34 combined total starts throughout the offensive line. And then you have a top, former top 50 prospect in Luke Ford as a tight end, along with your returning leading receiver, Daniel Barker. And you have your four returning leading rushers from last year. Going into the defense, you have the best linebacker in the Big Ten, Jake Hansen. You have one of the better pass rushers and edges in Owen Carney. Then you have Tony Adams and Sidney Brown, who are a decent corner safety duo, along with the best kicker and best punter duo in the entire NCAA with Blake Hayes and James McCourt.
0: There's something you can hang your hat on, (laughs) at least. Yeah, uh, I think Illinois should be a vastly improved team than than what they have been, Um, but with that being said, I'm going to pick a team that didn't necessarily have the season that they wanted to last year. They started off 0-5 last year in the Big Ten and didn't do all that well. But they ended the season you know, pretty decent, went on a little streak of their own. And that's going to be the Penn State Nittany Lions. And the main reason I am choosing the Penn State Nittany Lions is because of their head coach, James Franklin. I have a lot of trust in what James Franklin is able to do as a head coach. He's great on the recruiting trail. We all know that. But I think he's also one hell of a head coach as well. He's going to get this team back on track this season. And it's not going to be easy. The Big Ten's difficult, of course. Um, And they don't have the obvious stars that you're used to, excuse me, seeing from the Penn State Nittany Lions. But they are a deep, very athletic, very talented football team. And they didn't um, really need a whole lot. They, They picked up a few good pieces from the transfer portal, which, helps them as well moving into this year and they should start off a whole lot better than going 0-5 to start the season before having to get up for a Michigan game. Um, They have games at Wisconsin, Iowa and Ohio State which will probably mess up you know any hopes they have of necessarily winning the Big Ten title Um, but those are big games and maybe if you win two of those you're looking good Um, and they have home games against Auburn, Michigan and Indiana which are all tough games albeit they are at home, but those are three teams that are tough. Indiana's on the up-and-coming, Michigan's Michigan, and Auburn is obviously Auburn. But this team, like I mentioned before, is going to be a whole lot better than they were last year. They're going to show us a lot more than what we were able to see from last year in a pandemic season. Um, So if they win out of those six games that I just talked about, the majority of those, that helps us tremendously moving forward here in the Big Ten. Um, They should get out to a better start. They should not start out 0-5, and they should finish strong and just get better as the season goes along um they just kind of want to forget about that 2020 season and um you know just really character build into this 2021 season and start fresh and you know build on on what Penn State has been able to do after a very lackluster season last year that is probably one of the worst in Penn State history um especially when it comes to starts but I I like the Penn State Nittany Lions there in the Big Ten that'll be the team I'm rooting for specifically because of James Franklin as the head coach.
1: Makes sense. Also, I apologize. My Wi-Fi is that bad that I keep glitching in and out for some reason with my camera, so I'm just going to turn it off so that we can actually enjoy the next 20 minutes of our show, and you guys can as well. But let's move into our topic, which is the huge merge alliance, whatever it's going to be called. Oh, uh, hold we- on. We we have one more, one more, one what more,
0: do do? Um, one more conference. You, you're skipping the the best conference out there, buddy.
1: Oh, I thought you went over it when my Wi-Fi decided to die.
0: No, we did not. We did not.
1: All right, my bad. Then let's go into the ACC, which has the third best team in Florida in it.
0: <laughs> Don't have to be rude there, but I'll I'll read it off. Um, obviously the team I'm going to be rooting for here. In the ACC are my Florida State Seminoles. I'm going to try and lean this up. You guys see that spear in the background there. That's my team. That's who I'm going to be rooting for. Head coach Mike Norvell, second year at the helm there in Tallahassee. Um, you know, going from Bobby Bowden to Jim O'Fisher, then the Willie Taggart area, and now we're with Mike Norvell. Um, hopefully the team has a lot of energy and refound newness to themselves um, after last season with a new head coach and then building a different culture than that was there before. Um, Still question marks at the quarterback position. Um, Don't know if it's going to be, you know, Travis. um, That's going to be Jordan Travis, excuse me. He's going to be the starting quarterback or if it's going to be transfer um, Mackenzie Milton, who was previously at UCF before shattering his whole knee and having to go through reconstructive surgery and almost had to lose his leg. But he came in this offseason, not sure who we're going to see there. I fully expect Mackenzie Milton to be the starter with a lot of Jordan Travis mixed in running a little two-quarterback system there at Florida State. Um, it's a very young team, a lot of sophomores, a lot of juniors. So there's going to be bumps in the road, period. Um, they start off fairly easily with winnable games against Jacksonville State, Syracuse, and UMass, which are all at home. So that should be a nice three-game win streak there. And they should be able to win enough games, even though they have probably one of the toughest, top ten toughest schedules in the nation. Um, I think they had, they had to play North Carolina-Clemson. Um, Notre Dame to start the season, Miami, and I I forget who I'm leaving out. Um, I'm sure there's a team I'm leaving out there, but uh, it's one of the harder schedules there for the Florida State Seminoles having this season. But you can't root for a team that's young, a team that's trying to build. And college football, in my opinion as a whole, with all my bias aside, is better when Florida State's good. So I really hope that that's the case this year. Um, you know, We'll see what happens. They should go bowling. I expect maybe a 6-6 and season, anything above that would be fantastic. Anything below that could be seen as as a failure moving forward. But again, it's a young team. They're going to have to build on what they already have and then build in the transfer portal. Obviously getting um the edge rusher um I mean Jermaine Johnson from, from Georgia helps tremendously on the defensive side of the ball. Pretty much returned a whole lot of people, got rid of a lot of bad um culture pieces that are gone either to the NFL or you know just off the team. As of now, um, the real big problem Florida State's having is reaching the threshold for the vaccination of the 85%. So that could cause them, you know, to maybe have to pour for some games. Hopefully they eventually get to that point as they are the lowest vaccinated team in the ACC at this point. Um, that over under six and a half wins. I, I'm not sure if I would take either side of that, but I'm going to be rooting for my Seminoles really, really hard, especially come this first game of the season on Sunday, prime time against Notre Dame, the only game on that night. It's going to be an exciting one to watch. New quarterback at Notre Dame. Florida State trying to build something. It's going to be at Florida State. Pretty much almost a sold-out game. So that one is going to be fun to watch. Um, two new teams with new pieces added, and it's going to be an exciting matchup. But uh, go Knowles for the rest of the season in the ACC. You
1: know what I just realized? I just realized that my a lot of my teams end up having to play the exact same teams that I picked. I'm looking at this pit schedule and I see Western Michigan on it. But before I even go into that, let's just talk about the team. You have Kenny Pickett, a fifth-year quarterback for this Pittsburgh team. Had 2,400 yards and 13 touchdowns last year for Pittsburgh's 39th-ranked passing offense. He added eight rushing touchdowns on the ground as well. They... Need a running back. I'm sorry. You can't get your quarterback getting majority of these rushing yards. You're going to need Vincent Davis to have something. And in reality, I want to see a lot more of Jordan Addison, who was the ACC rookie of the year runner up last year. Like this entire offense is insane. I love it. And Pittsburgh's always having a good team. But as for the defense, you're going to need to see a lot more of what they've had. It's going to kind of be annoying, though, without Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver. They're going to need Deslin Alexandre to have a huge year and get at least double the sacks he had last year. Looking at the schedule, the only team I'm going to do this for out of my teams, you have UMass, which they can be good, but they should, Pitt should win. Pitt-Tennessee, Pitt should win. Western Michigan, Pitt, Pitt should win. I don't care about that one too much, though. New Hampshire Pitt should win. Georgia Tech Pitt should win. Virginia Tech Pitt should win. Clemson and Miami are the only games that they should lose. UNC they should potentially, but I I think Pitt could handle one of Miami or UNC.
0: Yeah, and Pitt's always one of those teams in the ACC that is kind of overlooked, but they always have a good season. They always have a good defense, which they should again this year. Um, so it's not a team to be excuse me, overlooking in the ACC at all. They're always pretty solid. Again, you mentioned their offense. Offense is much improved from the past. Excuse me. So uh, I really like your your pick there in in the Pitt Panthers um, going in into the ACC season.
1: Thank you. Are we now ready to go into the thing that we were going to go into?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, We can go ahead and and jump into this uh, alliance.
1: Yep. Big 10, the Pac-12, and the ACC. Wow. This is what college football has come to.
0: Yeah. um, I I watched when I was at work the other day. I I had it on in the background and was listening to everything that was going on. A lot of it um, seems to have stemmed from the SEC and how they handle their business. A lot of subtle shots, if you will, taken at the SEC without mentioning the SEC in the press conference. uh, How... How there's not a lot of how this thing is built on trust, um, not on money, not about money. It's about trust. It's about the fans. It's about the teams. It's about getting the exposure for the college athletes. It's about moving forward in a time where college football is not um, the the landscape is not is not what it used to be. And what they're trying to ultimately do is maintain the integrity of the college college football. Not necessarily college football, but college athletics as a whole is what they're trying to, you know, retain that integrity of. So what, what do you get from that? Um, First off, before we get into, you know, a little bit of examples, although they didn't give us much in that press conference.
1: Well, I'm going to say this words are only words. Let's see what they can prove because in reality, are we really thinking that the three of the five big.
0: You lost you there, Ethan.
1: Conferences, biggest basketball conference, Big Twelve. What? As of we recently, watched it there for a second, but we're back. All right, the Big Ten and the ACC are the two best historical basketball conferences. So they're they're doing it for money. This is a money pull. They're not going to stay alone because they're afraid that their top teams are going to leave, and they formed this alliance, which I'm gonna call a super conference, personally. This is, I think, this is poor for a group of five and other teams. I doubt they like for football. Are you really going to tell me that they're going to go out of their way to go play lesser teams unless they pay a lot? No, they're gonna do a lesser matchup, is going to be Kansas versus Ohio State, Illinois versus Florida State, etc.
0: Yeah, um, I. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. But then also you, you look at the bigger matchups that can come out of that. I mean, you're talking, you know, Florida State versus USC. You're talking Clemson versus Ohio State. You're, you're talking all these different games that are, are possibly going to be able to be mixed in. Ohio State, um, Oregon, you know, games that a lot of, you know, we don't get to see unless these teams make it to, you know, the college football playoff and play each other. And then with the expansion of the college football playoff, that bodes well for this alliance moving forward as well. Um, they did speak on the fact that they are going to have coast to coast interconference play, um, which is when it comes to men's basketball, women's basketball and in college football, too. Um, you, you did mention, Ethan, that two of the biggest, most historic college basketball conferences merging together with one that is, you know, pretty decent in itself in the Pac-12. It's going to be great for basketball. I think it's probably going to be the most beneficial for basketball for all three of these conferences. Obviously, we already have the Big Ten ACC matchup, but you know, moving ahead, that's gonna be that's gonna be awesome to to see unfold. Pac twelve blending in with the ACC, blending in with the Big Ten, it's gonna be awesome. My biggest concern here is there's no contract on the table. Um, there's no contract being signed by any of these conferences, and it's all built on trust. I get that you want to do that, but in, in this day and age, who can you trust? You know, like I, I don't mean that in a negative way but it's something that's difficult to achieve in this day and age when everybody's just looking for the biggest money grab to be able to make the most money for themselves. So at some point, is that going to happen? And when is this going to take shape? When, when is this going to go into effect? How is this going to affect TV um, deals? Because I know the ACC doesn't run out of their TV schedule with ESPN and the ACC network. till like 2036. Uh, meanwhile, the big tens ends in, in like two, three years or something like that. And, so then you can – it's just a lot of logistics that still have to be figured out. Um, but what are your thoughts here on the coast-to-coast play? And do you think that's beneficial um, to these student-athletes or, you know, might harm them, you know, depending on what scenario?
1: I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I'm I'm still thinking about what you just said about, like, the really who can you trust type of thing.
0: Because All right, touch on that.
1: What, what's going to stop on the- Ohio state? Texas, what's going to stop all the power blue blood schools to make their own little, uh, how did they, I read an article about this, how do they phrase it? Uh, little NFL development league. What What stops them from doing that? What stops all the five stars, all the four stars to do that and just have them play, I don't know, 16 games against all of one another? Get 16 to 20 teams and you make your own playoff and you disband. What, what's stopping them from doing that?
0: Yeah, I don't know. There's a whole lot of things um, that that we you and I both have questions about that. Well, I'm sure we're not the only ones. And then my, my next thing, Ethan, is who does this hurt the most? Um, I there there's there's been a lot of questions about the Big 12. What's going to happen to the Big 12? They're pretty much stuck and fucked. Excuse my language alone. Pretty much either. We're going to have to try and do something with a group of five. Or do something with the SEC. And, you know, the SEC is not going to want to do that because they're just what they Texas and Oklahoma, because they're the biggest names and make the most money out of that conference. So, SEC is going to be the SEC, period. What's going to happen with all these other Big 12 teams? In my opinion, I think they're hurt the most. Maybe a Notre Dame, uh, a team like Notre Dame or those independent schools might get hurt as well. But I don't think anybody gets as hurt here as much as the Big 12, the other Big 12 teams outside of Texas and Oklahoma, who are on the pathway to be joining the SEC here in the next few years or so.
1: I'm not honestly sure. Like for the Big Twelve, what what teams do you think join the SEC? Because if they do do a super conference, no offense, Kansas love basketball, but football's the moneymaker. You're not getting let in. Who besides Oklahoma and Texas have that football program?
0: Yeah, I, I mean you can point to in Oklahoma State and maybe I don't know. I, a few of those have have some you know history going back, but you know haven't necessarily done a whole lot as of recent. So it's not beneficial to the SEC to bring them in. So that's why I think it hurts the Big Twelve the most. Ultimately, you're gonna have to dissolve, or you're gonna have to bring in a bunch of uh, group of five teams to try and make this thing work and compete with these other two super conferences, like you're saying, because ultimately that's what the alliance is going to become. You're they're they're still saying they're going to be able to schedule you know, teams in the SEC as well, which is all perfectly well and fine. But majority of your games are going to be played between Pac-12, Big Ten and ACC schools. So what happens with the Big 12? That's my biggest concern. And somebody had brought it up um, in the press conference, actually. And the only thing that one of the the commissioners of of one of the conferences had to say was the Big 12 is important to the landscape of college football and keeping it going. And we wish the Big 12 nothing nothing but the best and the best of luck moving forward in, in their endeavors. Okay, but what are you doing to help them? If they're so important to the landscape of college football and maintaining the integrity of college football, why haven't they been discussed in any conversations with you as well? It's just really concerning to me that the Big 12 could be going down and we're not sure what's going to happen with them.
1: I think it does go down, to be honest with you. Either that or they're going to be saying, hey, UCF, hey, Cincinnati, hey, Appalachian State, hey, Boise State. Come on, we need to replace these guys. Uh, You guys are the top teams. How do you like some Power 5 money? And they'll offer them what they can. But in reality, I think that they're probably going to disband. And the Big 12, all the other three Power 5 conferences, are going to give them the middle finger, coach what they can that they deem useful. The rest of them will either have to go lower, go independent, or go to the SEC.
0: Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the coming next five to 10 years or so in, in the college landscape, not only in college football, but you know, the landscape as a whole, when it comes to college athletics, just, uh, I mean, it all started, you know, with Texas and Oklahoma, um, and their socks with the sec and, um, it just created a, an unraveling effect, a domino effect, if you will, on what's going to happen in college athletics. We're moving away from the NCAA NCAA, in my opinion, is going to be gone sooner than later um that's probably going to be a big thing as well and well I guess the SEC talks with Oklahoma Texas aren't necessarily the biggest domino effect of all it probably all originated with NIL and the whole different rules coming from that um that is kind of changed and made people rethink what this college landscape needs to look like and the direction that college athletics as a whole is moving towards in, in the future than what it was and instead of amateurs now these are are practically, you know, professional athletes at this point considering they're they're getting paid, they're going to be able to make their own decisions and you know, they're just going to be run by a governing governing body that is their alliance or their conference instead of by a overall reaching government governing body like the NCAA. Um, it'll be real interesting to see where we're at in 5 to 10 years from now, but as long as college football is still around, I'm not going to complain.
1: Same here.
0: All right, Ethan, that, that seemed like a uh, loaded show. Um, it, it was awesome. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get Brandon Marcelo in here from 247 Sports. Hopefully, we can reschedule him to hop on at some point during the season because that would be awesome to talk to somebody from there. Um, I'll try and reach out to some of my guys I know from 247, so that, see if we can get them on as well. Um, college football starts this week, guys. Um, be sure to check out these Week 0 games. There's a, uh, a few of them. I think they're, I believe, six or so games. Um, that you guys should be tuning into. We'll probably touch on those a little bit next week as well as, you know, next week we'll probably get into that week's games and talk about the big ones because there's a lot of big ones, uh, big games going on next week from Miami and Alabama, um, Florida State, and and, um, Notre Dame, just to name a couple of those games. So I'm really looking forward to this college football season. And anything else you want to add, Ethan, before we go ahead and log off?
1: Uh, Look for Nebraska to lose by 40.
0: (laughs) Oh, just a big Nebraska hate on the show tonight. Um, But, yeah, other than that, if you guys have been watching, check out um, the ticker at the bottom. If you haven't been able to watch live, head over to mybookie.ag and use code USN for double – USN100, excuse me, for double your first deposit. Put in $50, get $50 free play, guys. It's awesome stuff, especially with college football right here upon us now. Head over to rxhemp.com, use code rxhemp-usn. For 10% off every single one of your purchases, guys, it's all natural CBD pain relief cream that you can use on your joints, your back, anything that's aching on you. And then also head over to teespring.com backslash stores, backslash unwrap and pick up all of your favorite shows and your regular just USN Unwrapped Sports merchandise and apparel from teespring.com backslash stores, backslash unwrapped. You'll find all of the good stuff over there, guys. We want to thank you for tuning in once again, and, um, you know, go knows. <laughs>